Good eh? Can you hear me? How are you going? Has, has anyone heard of a preacher by the name of Mark Hankins? Anyone? No. I heard a joke that he told once. It went like this. It says, a man stood before the judge, and he said to him, son, you've been caught doing some bad things. And he goes, what's your name? He goes, my name is Joshua. And he goes, Joshua, like from the Bible. He goes, yeah, same name, Joshua. And he goes, the Joshua that made the sun stand still. And he went, no, I'm the Joshua that made the moon shine. Hence, I'm standing here. <laughs> Go with me to Mark chapter 11, please. I will be using for this text in particular. This is quite loud, actually. It's sort of ringing in my ear at the back. Is that all right? I'm just worried about a bit of feedback. Um, I'm going to use the, the New King James Version for this text, but what I want to talk to you today about is um, the workings of faith or how our faith works. Um, because I think we use the word faith again as a cliche. I, I've, I've learned... Um, in Western Christianity that uh, we tend to have a lot of cliches. We know all the words, um, you know, we don't even say, uh, it, it's strange. We have, we have all the language, but, but the language means nothing to us, unfortunately. We, we, in church, we even change the way we speak sometimes, you know. Instead of, let's take communion, we use the word partake, let's partake. You know, we change our little, we have a little Christianese language that we throw into it. I find myself doing the same thing when I preach. Um, but the word faith has become, I think, a powerless reality based on the fact that it's, it's, it's just an intellectual word or a religious word that we use. So I want to give you the, the Greek meaning of the word faith as we see it in the New Testament. And I've asked them to make a slide for me the first time I'm, I'm really using them. Um, that might not work. Does it work? Come on, get up there. If, if, it, if it doesn't work, then the reality is I'm never going to use multimedia again because I'm not a multimedia kind of guy. Come on, let's get it going. No. Anyway, I'll tell you what it is so we don't waste time. It might come up there during the, during the meeting. It's the word um, paistis, which is P-I-S-T-I-S, paistis. And it means this. It means a trust and a belief that implicates an action based on that trust and belief. Now, in most of our understanding, the trust and belief side is what we've grasped, that, that, that faith is a trust and a belief. But belief is actually a verb. It's actually a doing word. That's why in James, James does not contradict Peter, uh, uh, Paul. Sorry, James doesn't contradict Paul when he says that, you show me your faith and I'll show you my faith by what I do. That faith without works is actually dead. Isn't that interesting? Because we, we read that as a, as a contradiction to Paul. But the reality is, is that you trust and believe and it implicates an action based on your trust and belief. Rob Rufus, who's based in Hong Kong, says it like this, that my faith is my positive response to what God has already done. Isn't that amazing? I'll say that again just so you can write it down. My faith is my positive response to what God has already done. So faith is actually an action. It's a response word. You have to respond. I had this guy in our church, um, you know, he had come out of um, 
he's an Australian bloke. It's when we first planted, and I, I met him, and I actually met the, the fellow in Hong Kong, and um, and it's not Tim, because I met Tim in Hong Kong. Can you believe it? We met Tim in Hong Kong in 2008 or something, mate, and we were talking there at some conference, and I said to him, we're planting a church in Australia, and he said, we're looking at moving to Australia, and how many years down the line? Like three, four, five maybe? Six, seven even. I got a message from him saying, hey, I, I, remember me? I was like, yeah, I do. He's like, well, I'm moving to Australia. Isn't that amazing? And he ended up coming to Crossing Point, and, and now he's here. But I met this other guy, and, and, and man, this guy was so afraid of, of, um, of religion that he, had, he, he, that he had actually become religious in his anti-religious stance. And um, I remember sitting with him one day, and out of the blue, he, um, he just started talking to me about faith, and, and, and then it got into finances. And he went, oh, man, I don't give... I don't give anything. I don't pay finances or tithes and that to the church because it's all law-based and and um, yeah. I just I walk by faith now. I said, oh okay. So let, let's just. I said, do you have faith in God for your finances? And he goes, yes, I do. I have faith in God for my finances. I said, so your faith, your positive response to what God has already done is that you give nothing. And I said, do you know what faith means? And I showed him in the book, and he's like, yeah, I know. I said, so where's your, what's your, what is your response? What is your response to what God's done? It's this, I give nothing. And I watched him, his, his whole theology crumbled before me. And, and although he could not argue with the reality of what I was saying, he still refused to accept it. That's what the Bible calls rebellion. That when you know truth, and the truth is as clear as daylight to you, but you refuse to accept it. That's what God classes as rebellion. Isn't that interesting? Rebellion is not going and doing what the prodigal son did. Rebellion is not, not following through with what you see as a, and, and know as a truth in the Scriptures. So faith. Let's look at it. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. You know, faith is how it works is actually so simple you need a group of theologians to make it complicated. And that's what happens. Theologians complicate everything. Jesus was, he simplified everything because he, he called the, he called everyone. He didn't call the educated only. He called every human being. And, and, and that's, and, and so he simplifies everything so that we, who are not that clever, can receive and walk in and accept and, and flourish in the realities of his kingdom. So faith is quite simple. Let's look at what Jesus says. Have faith in, sorry, verse 22, I should have told you that. So Jesus answered them, have faith in God. For me, that, that could stop just a whole lot of whining. You know, I've got a problem. That's okay. Have faith in God. That's the number one step to faith. Have faith, have a trust and a belief in God. If, if that was all this text said, I think that would be enough for us to close the Bible, go home, and be able to live a life that would, would radiate who he is. Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, now when Jesus says, for assuredly, when Jesus says, assure me, in, be assured is what I'm about to say to you. Be assured in this reality. I think we can believe him. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, then he will have whatever he says. Now, you need to understand something. This is not a neighbor and claim it. 
I like the BMW outside. I'm going to lay my hands on it and I'm going to say it belongs to me and then God's going to give it to me. We need to take our, our we, we, we need to look and take our example from Jesus. Did Jesus do anything that his father didn't tell him to do? No, he himself said, I do whatever my father says. And I say whatever I hear my father saying. So the key element of this and how faith is going to work is that we need to be following what he is doing. It's not your own idea. Oh, I think that I'm going to do this. So I have, I have faith for this. Well, you have faith in yourself for that. But having faith in God is different. Having faith in God and then implicating an action towards that faith in God means that you have to be following what God wants from you. Do you, do you see what I'm trying to say? It's not like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win the lottery and be a multimillionaire, and then and then because of that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start orphanages. You know, and, and you, you throw the God factor in there. The good, the good Samaritan factor is that if I get all this money, I'll do God's work. But that's really actually probably not what God wants for you. And yes, he did want that for you. Then you'd have faith in God for that, and you'd step into it. And it's not going to come through buying a lottery ticket. Let me, let me just tell you that now. We all do. I buy lottery tickets because I want to win millions of dollars because I want to build orphanages. But maybe God doesn't want me to be a millionaire. So at the end of my life, I'll realize I wasted my $12 a week. And I probably could have given that $12 to an orphanage. <laughs> Good word, preacher. The funny thing is when you open your mouth to preach, you actually realize you're talking so much to yourself that, you know, at least I've got the notes here. I'm taking my own notes. Having faith in God. So the key element of faith, the first key element is number one, having faith in God. The second key element is this, you have to speak. You actually have to say something. It's not enough to believe. A part of the implication of the action is to actually begin to speak it out. Paul says it like this. Go with me to, with my notes, um, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believe. And so I spoke. Now he gets that from, uh, from Psalms, Psalms 116, where David says, I believed, and so I spoke. This That's very interesting, isn't it? I believed, therefore I spoke. David actually wrote that psalm in a, a tragic time of his life. But if we look at David, David himself sees Goliath. He says, who is this man who defies the, the armies of the living God? So already, already David is starting to operate in his mentality in the area of faith. Who, who is God? So he's already got faith in God. He's seen God move in his life through killing a lion and a bear. Who is this uncircumcised fellow who defies the armies of the living God? David's quite amazed the fact that the army of God is too afraid to step forward and take on Goliath based on the fact that David has an understanding of who God is. So David now steps into the implication of that belief. He says, I'll go and sort this guy out. Why? Because lions and bears I've killed with my bare hands. God helped me do that. Why would God not help me to kill this uncircumcised fellow? David runs up and he speaks. Now, Mark Henkin says it like this. He goes, he goes, David said, Goliath said back. David spoke back to Goliath. Goliath spoke back to David. David then spoke back to Goliath. David ran at Goliath. David slung a stone at Goliath. And Goliath didn't speak anymore. And that's as simple as it is. Don't let the devil have the last say. 
we need to learn to wake up in the morning. And I remember I, I, I used to do this with, with Farah when she was unwell. I would wake up in the morning and I would, I would get out of bed and I'd say, I'd go to the beach to pray and have my coffee while I was there. And I would say, I'm about to say a few things, devil. So you're just going to listen. And then I wouldn't speak to Satan, but what I would do is I would declare who God is over my life, over Pharaoh's life, and, and, and over you know, our situation and circumstance, and give glory and praise. And Satan has to sit there and listen to that. He has to listen to me worship my father through word. And, and he doesn't know how to deal with people, Christians, who are on their back at the lowest point of their lives, and yet they still give honor and glory to God. He has no answer for that. It, it, it's confusing to him. It's, it's completely disarms him in every way because what more can he do to you? Like there is nothing further that he can do to you but put you down on your back at the lowest of lowest, keep you there, and yet out of your mouth comes honor and glory to God. And every time you walk, you walk still in faith, still in belief, still saying, but God said, I'm going to give glory to him because he said and because he is true and he is faithful. Satan is completely disarmed in those circumstances. But many of us sort of, we, we shrivel back and we go and we fight the, the good fight of faith in, in the quiet corner. It's like a little time out for us. I'm fighting the good fight of faith in the corner. That is not what God's asked us to do. The way we fight with faith is, number one, we have faith in God. Number two, we speak what God says to be true. Jesus speaks of it like this. Seed goes out and it goes into a field. Some of it falls onto rocky places, hard ground, the pathway among the weeds, others in good soil. The key element here is the word is the seed. The word holds the power. It is called the sword. The sword of the spirit is actually the word of God. The Word of God is the reality of who God is and who He says He is, and that is Jesus. The declaration of who Jesus is, not who He was, who He is, is the sword of the Spirit. It's the sword that the Spirit uses to fight the battles. But when we quiet and we just do our quiet little meditation in the corner, and we don't want to actually speak because sometimes it sounds silly when you're speaking over somebody who's dying and you're calling life into them, but you're actually watching them continue to pass on from this side of eternity, and, and you start to doubt. So when you start to doubt, you stop speaking because you think that your words are foolish. And that's where the enemy says, you just lay there quietly and defeated. But we have to begin to speak. We have to keep speaking. And when that reality that you are proclaiming from your mouth to be true doesn't come through, then, then you've got to, you've got to, you have to face a situation of, do I, go into, do I continue to doubt who God is, which I entered into for some period of time, as you would have probably noticed, and, and, and that part of my testimony is, is having to learn to come out of that. So I want to speak to you just very quickly, because I know that some people do face it. Does anyone face that? You, you have this, this empowering faith. You're speaking about it, but nothing happens. And the very things that you believed God for and you implicated as much action as you could into it didn't happen for you. And you sit there wondering. That's happened to me. I'm sure it's happened to many others. But there's a way through it. And I didn't know the way through it. 
for quite some time. And my beautiful wife, Naomi, can testify to some of the, the tormenting thoughts I went through. The why. Why, God? Why didn't that happen? Why didn't you do that? I left my nation to, to move to, to the desert lands to go and assist in planting churches. And I've, I've traveled into dangerous places to go and plant and help people plant churches. And then I've, I've left that life and I've moved all the way to this, this country of Australia, far away from my home and friends and family, to come here and to plant a church. And then this is what happens. Why? And so you waver in your belief. And, and, and more so, not in your belief, but uh, you waver in your trust in the nature of who God is. That's the hardest thing, is wavering in your trust. And when you waver in your trust, you no longer implicate action. So what I did is I took a massive step back from everything God asked me to do because I didn't trust God. You know how hard it is not to trust God? And you go, but how can you? How can you? That's wrong as a, as a minister of the Lord and a preacher and a church planner. How can you not trust God? Well, it's just where I was at. If, I'm sorry if that is offensive to you, but that's just where I was at. I no longer trusted the very one that I should have trusted in, but I stepped right back. And then one day, there was this incredible epiphany that came to me. I'm going to find that scripture now, and I'm going to read it out to you. Go with me to 2 Timothy, please. Is this helpful to anyone? Because, you know, I know you throw, we throw testimony in there. And the, re the reason why we throw testimony in is because that's my story. That's the journey. That's the reality to me. You know, you'll have your own testimony. The whole Bible is the testimony of people who encountered God. They went through hardships and they documented it. And then they went through, I don't know if you call it good ships, but good times. And, and, and they trusted in God. You know what I mean? And, and you watch, and they, all that is is a documentation of the journeys of individual human beings in history who encountered God in their life. That's the Bible. You know, we just carry on in our lives. Our lives are part of the story. We'll connect with somebody in the truth of, of God's scriptures and the word. We'll, you'll connect with someone. You know, sometimes I connected with David. I, I saw the tragedy he went through, and, and, and yet he still continued to worship God. He whinged, he whined. Most of the Psalms are him whinging and whining. And then coming to some revelation of that, actually, God, you are who you say you are. And it doesn't matter what, I, what, what I'm thinking or what I'm doing, it doesn't change your nature. So 1 Timothy, sorry, 2 Timothy 1 verse 2, sorry, verse 1. Did I, let me start again. There's too many numbers in there. 2 Timothy 1 verse 12. <laughs> See, like, you know, you say your, your mobile phone number, then you realize I've added two more numbers in there. Or, or you've missed out one, and then you go, I doubt my own number. Because you don't actually, you, you keep your number in a certain way. That's hard work, you know? Mine is 0406353368. But then when someone else reads it back to you, they read it back differently. And then you go, is that my number? <laughs> have, have you seen that before? It's like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I really actually don't know. Is that your number, sir? I don't know. Can you say it again, but the way that I said it? Because um, verse twelve, where am I here? Let me read from a. Let's go from the beginning of some sentence. Paul. He just started halfway through something. I don't want to. Okay, let's just start from the halfway through verse twelve. Okay, he goes, but I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. 
And I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Some scriptures say he is able to guard until that day. And this is actually, the, I'm sorry, I read, I read this out of the ESV. And, and the ESV, let me tell you, in this text is wrong. I'm sorry to say that to you. If you use the ESV, which I use often, it's actually wrong. This is what it should say. It says, but I'm not ashamed for I, I know, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What I've entrusted to him until that day. The, 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 the ESV makes it about you, actually. It says what he's entrusted to me. I know that he's able to guard what he's entrusted to me. The, the, the actual correct translation is he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. Because I know in whom I believe. And so, so, so I was listening to this guy preach on, on, t- on TV, and, and he said this. He said, bad things have happened in your life, and you're confused. Now I'm going, that's me. Gnomes was sitting with me. She was sitting right there. I said, hey, this guy's talking to me through the TV. You know what I mean? Which is what God does. He's like, I'll just step in. I'll do whatever. I'll just come into your living room through a bloke that preached a sermon t- 20 years ago. I don't know. It wasn't that long, but five years ago or something. He starts talking to me, and he starts saying this to me. You've got an issue in your life. Something happened. It never worked out for you. And, and, and so it's, this, is, this is consuming the way you think. You're struggling with God. He goes, but what you've got to learn to do is this, is you've got to say to God, I don't know what happened there. I don't have an answer for why what I was asking you for, what I was believing you for, didn't come to pass. But what I'm going to do is because this is driving me crazy, which it actually was, is this. I'm going to offer up to you this thing, and I'm going to say, you deal with it, and one day you'll reveal it to me in that day. Now that I've given it to you, I walk away from it. Therefore, I never question you on why that happened. And I did that. I actually did it and asked Naomi how it completely changed me. I'm only standing here today, I believe, because that one revelation hit me in my heart. And I went, hang on a minute. I don't know what went down. But what I do know is this. It doesn't change who you are. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that confusion, that, that, era, that area where I don't have the answers, and I'm going to say, God, I'm giving this to you, and you hold on to that, and you deal with that issue until the day that I meet you, because I'm sure you've got the best answer for me. And I'll wait until I receive that answer when I stand before your great white throne. And until then, it's not a problem for me anymore. What happened, happened. It's in the past, and you can't change it. And then I'm going to move forward. And I'm telling you, from that day, I started getting set free. But very quickly, just very, very quickly, in that area. I had other things to go through, but the one area of my trust in God changed. So authority must be exercised. It has to be. And your word, every time you open your mouth to speak the truth of who God is or the, or the truth of what he says about your circumstance, that is the implication of that action. So let's talk about it in the most simplistic of ways. I heard Bill Johnson once say in a meeting, he went, um, if you want to see the sick get healed, do you want to know how? And he went, yeah, tell us, Bill, come on. You know, the Americans are very flamboyant. Tell us, yeah, how do we, if you want to see the sick get healed, pray for the sick. I thought, that is the most simplest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, this is it. You want to see the sick get healed, pray for the sick. And he heard that from, um, oh, come on, it's a good bloke. Tommy, throw some names out. Randy Clark. 
That's exactly right. I went to a Randy Clark meeting, and Randy Clark said he prayed for 100 people for a year, and not one of them got healed. And then one day, he prayed for one person, and they got healed. And he went, now it works. This is it. 100 people. I would have lost faith after 20. Just 20 people not getting healed. I'm not a miracle man. I'm not a miracle worker. We'll leave this to, to, to the evangelists. But, but, but he prayed for 100 people, and none of them got healed. And he just felt God say, you just keep praying for people. And then one day, he prayed for this one bloke, and that person got completely healed. And from that day, I mean, if anyone knows Randy Clark's ministry, they've got, they just see healings, the most spectacular of healing. Jesus is the model. If he can do it, and he left it with us, we can do it. And Jesus spoke into every situation. And when he spoke, let me tell you, everything changed. Who, 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 who recognizes that? When Jesus speaks, everything changed. There was not one thing that was left unchanged. So having faith in God starts with having faith in God. And number two, it starts with opening your mouth and speaking. Wake up in the morning and over your circumstance, start saying, I'm going to say some things and you're going to listen. I mean, be arrogant like that. Not to God, but be arrogant in the situation. I'm going to say something now and you're going to listen to me, Mr. Sickness, Mrs. You know, Attitude Problem whatever it may be, and then you start to speak, not praying, oh, God, help me, please. Please change this situation. Please make this happen. It's like it's, God did not ask us to do that. He asked us, to, he commanded us, actually, to speak at the thing. We learned this. I remember I, 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 I learned this in 2005, and this, this lady came into this meeting. It was a small meeting. It was literally a new church membership thing. So this, this lady and her husband were the, actually the only couple that had decided to attend this, and I was asked to attend it. So it's like, yeah, can you come, Brad, and speak about the Holy Spirit? Because we're doing like this new church thing. We're going to talk about you know, what is baptism, what is this, what is that, the very basics of Christianity. We'd like you to come and just talk about the Holy Spirit. So I prepared on the Holy Spirit, and I went in there, and we sat down, and it's this other eldership couple, myself, and, 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 and Farah, and, and then this couple, and their two daughters. I'm like, okay, this is, this is it, you know, okay, so I'm talking to them. But while I'm talking to them, and we're having a discussion, it wasn't even about the Holy Spirit, we were literally just learning about them, and then all of a sudden, she starts manifesting this sorrow and anger, and she's weeping and crying, and, and then we went, what's wrong? And she went, I've been diagnosed with terminal stage 4 cancer, and it's throughout my whole body. Like my whole body. And we, we've been Christians for so long and we've prayed and people have prayed for us and we've been asking God to heal us. And we've got to the point now where my husband's saying and he starts going, yeah, I, I've been asking God, where have I sinned in my life to cause this problem? And she said, my daughter's tormented because she's going, I'm sorry, mommy, maybe I've been disobedient to the school. Now the kids are taking on and I'm just sitting there going, this is not freedom. This is not God. This is not what it's about. And, and I said to them, we're going to pray for you. And she goes, we've had so much prayer. It doesn't work. And the doctors have given, I think they gave her like less than you know, four months to live. And, and, and she's telling me all the, or she's going, it's in here and it's here and it's there. And I've got to do this and I've got to go there. And, and the chemotherapy's not working. And she was going through all this stuff. And I'm just like, I'm hearing problem after problem after problem after. And I said, hold on, hold on. We don't, we don't want to hear about your problems. What I want to hear about is, 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 are you willing to let me pray for you? And she goes, but we've prayed, prayed so many times before. I said, that's okay. I'd like to pray if all the same. And she went, no worries, you can pray. And I remember I laid my hands on her in that meeting, and, and I, I, just, I didn't even ask God anything. 
accept this. God, you know all things, and you've given authority to us as your sons and daughters. And I literally, I remember putting my head against, because it started in her breast. I didn't put my head on her breast, but I put my, I put my, her hand on her breast, and I put my mouth next to her chest. And I said, breast cancer, in the name of Jesus, you will leave this woman's body right now, and you will never return. And I said, that's what we prayed. And we sat down, and then I did like a little talk on the Holy Spirit. And she came to church two weeks later. She came the next week. Two weeks later, she came back, and she was freaking out, completely freaking out. You'll never believe it. Her kids were excited. There was tears. I was like, oh, my gosh, this woman's been told she's got one week left to live. That's my, that's, there you go. Bang, that's my prayer. She came, and she went, we've got the test results. I went for a PET scan two weeks ago. They called me back in. The doctors are completely confused. That cancer has completely left my body. Like, left her body. And, and I went, what? And she went, it's left my body. And in my mind, I went, what the heck just happened? But, but being, you know, being an elder in the church and I'm supposed to be spiritual, I was like, God is so faithful. I knew it was going to happen. No, in, in me, in me, in me, I, I, I still thought to myself, that's, in, that's, in, that's incredible. That is absolutely incredible. And, and, um, she's still alive to this day, cancer free. She, she, she's become such a testimony that she actually gets invited to other churches to, to talk. And there's a video of her by a, a and I'll, I'll try and find the video and I'll, we can maybe put it on the website or something, but there's a video of her being interviewed by someone in Dubai um, where they actually ask her questions about what happened. And she's giving testimony and glory to God. And she's saying people prayed. And she says, she didn't give mention my name, which I'm glad about, but she said, I went to this meeting where this one young man stepped in and he didn't pray to God to heal me. He spoke to the cancer in my body and told it to go, and that's what took it out. I mean, that's incredible. Speak to the mountain. Jesus didn't say, ask me to move the mountain. He said, if you say to this mountain, you go from here into that sea. Now, I know there's another teaching to that, which I've done myself. The mountain is, is symbolic of something. But there's another, there's another, another layer of the teaching. And that, that when you say to the mountain, go into the sea, the reason why it goes into the sea is because the sea has the capacity to completely dissolve that mountain. It dissolves the mountain completely. And so we start changing the way we implicate the action of faith from asking God to please do something for us to positively responding, according to Rob Rufus' words, to what God has already done. In Jesus, God has already provided everything. By his stripes, we heard it this morning, we are healed. So let's talk about physical, mental spiritual and and unwellness or, or illnesses let's talk about your finances faith in the area of oh, yeah i've been trusting god for my finances because they just keep you know i put them in the in my pocket and they fall out of my pants into the drain because that's this is how quickly it goes in i sent ben a funny picture of what a pastor's wallet looks like and it's a guy he opens the wallet and the guy pops out and goes just completely confused. I said, that's a pastor's wallet. That's what it looks like. The money goes in and bef- you actually think it's in there and you open it and it's not. Then you went, what happened to it? That's just the way life is nowadays. But having faithful finances doesn't mean I'm trusting God for more. It means that I'm going to implicate an action as to what God wants me to do in stewarding that money. Starting with tithes and offerings. And we can do a teaching on tithing in the New Testament and it's clearly there and it's not obscure and it's not under the law. And I remember meeting this guy the one time and we were in a meeting and and. They were, the guy, the preacher was, was 
going, yeah, you put another zero on, you know, and he's, he's, he's really motivating people to give more money towards this, this, this thing of the poor. And, and, and it was one of those, like cranking up the sirens, you know, really just going for it. And the guy's like, I'm not going to give the guy next to me. He's like, he's like, I took money out of my thing. And I said, well, oh, put it in that offering. But he went, why do you put money in that offering? I said, because I want to give to the poor. He goes, that guy, he's motivating people under the law. It's, it's, like a, it's like a workspace mentality. I said to him, I'm not responding to that guy. I'm responding to the fact that God said we should give to the poor. That guy means nothing to me. He can wow, wow, wow all he wants to, mate. What he's actually done in his wow, wow, is he's caused your heart to go hard and you're not operating in faith towards God that God wants us to give money to the poor. I said, well, what if that money doesn't go to the poor? I said, that's not my problem. That's his problem. I said, my response in faith is I'm giving money to the poor. If he doesn't use it correctly, may God deal with him. But the scripture also says that we're not to judge another man's servant. We're not to judge another man's servant. God is able to make him stand. God's able to make me stand. I, if, 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 if God wasn't able to make me stand, in my distrust and disbelief of him as God eternal, I wouldn't be standing here preaching right now. I'd probably be out of the church, living in my thing, because God would have said, see you later, son. If you want to be this arrogant little boy who doesn't trust and believe me, we'll see you later. Bang. But he didn't. He remained faithful and patient with me. And so I put my faith in God. Trust in God. Is this helpful? Listen here, there's a little leader. There's this little man. He's got a funny haircut, shaved side similar to mine, but his hairstyles looks like they put a, a pot on top of it and they cut it up, and he's he's a little short, stubby little demon who lives in this little country tiny little country that has absolutely no significance whatsoever in what it's able to do for the world because it has no natural resources that are being that are being um, exported around the world it's called North Korea but when that man opens his mouth people listen why because he's got power behind him and so he says hey I'm gonna shoot some rockets over towards America and everybody freaks out because he's actually got nuclear weapons now we've got greater than nuclear weapons in our mouth but we don't speak you're a little nobody to, to what well, we show you think so and Satan wants you to think what is uh, our community church Who, who's been in our oh, he's the leader so let's choose someone else give me someone that's insignificant Josh <laughs> he put his hand up he asked for it Who's Josh in this little church of our community on the Gold Coast, which is insignificant because it's not even a major city in Australia? And, 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 and you go, I'm about to say some things, yeah? And I've got an arsenal that's more powerful than what old Kim Jong-un has. And so when I speak, Satan needs to listen. And when you speak in trust and belief of God, this is, this is the reality. Your part is the speaking part. That's, that's your doing. I speak, and then God acts. He does because he told you what to say. Say this, son. I want you to say this. Why do you want me to say it? Because God's got a way of choosing insignificant people to do great things. Look at it. Just If you don't know that, read the Bible. If you don't know that, look at my life. I come from a little place called the Bluff, and anyone from Durban, South Africa, who knows the Bluff, they'll go, really? Fair enough, because we were just a write-off. It's like, you're rough and you're tough, you come from the Bluff, and you smoke that stuff, and most of the time you're going to end up in jail. That's pretty much what it is. Naomi went there and she went, now I understand why you are the way you are. She did. Because all my friends were there and she's like, they're all just like you. And she's like, I'm actually glad you left that place. And, and, and quite frankly, so am I. It's, it's, it's not a hole, but it's just a bad place as far as attitude goes. Think of the word, it's like Logan. Hope no one comes from, anyone from Logan? We love you, mate. 
God is coming to Logan <laughs> next week. I want to read this. I heard this is quite phenomenal. If I can find it in my notes. Listen to this. A lady by the name of, anyone heard of a lady called Lily B. Omen? No? Okay. Lily B. Omen said this, that God has tied himself irrevocably to human cooperation in the execution of divine purposes. Man, that should be on our fridge magnets. God has divided, has tied himself. Like, you've got to say it in an American accent. That doesn't mean so much. Americans have this wonderful way of, 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 of making fridge magnet sayings sound powerful. You know what I mean? God has tied himself irrevocably to human cooperation. Hear that. He has tied himself to your cooperation, mate. Your cooperation. In the execution of his divine purposes. That means that when God wants to do something, he's going to find somebody to do it through. And all they've got to do is have enough trust in him to speak it out. And then he says, now leave it with me. Bang, and he starts knocking things around and shifting mountains out of one location. When the mountain shifts, who thinks that the scenery changes? Well, it's not there anymore. That mountain you used to walk around, it's not there. Now the view is clear. You know, you've got a mountain in front of your home, you can't see the sea, and that thing moves, you've got a great view. That there, I know this, this is such a, it's almost, I'm speaking and I'm, I'm going, man, you sound so cliche. It just sounds like you're a motivational speaker. But I'm telling you the truth. I'm not a motivational speaker. It's as simple as in the scriptures. Paul says, I believed. Two, do we ever get to the 2 Corinthians text? Whew. Let's go there because it's a great text. 2 Corinthians. Sorry, this is a... I can't leave this one out. 2 Corinthians. I get excited when I preach because I hear the words coming out of my mouth and I'm actually so excited... As to the reality of that truth. It, it actually, it, I speak it out. I know it's one thing to prepare a message. Sometimes I sit there and when I do prepare, I, I'm, I'm actually reading. When I, the way I prepare is not this. What should I talk on next week? Some people do that. It's not a problem. This is not Brad. I don't prepare like, what, what sermon can I preach to the church next week? I don't do that. What I do do is I read the, the texts. I read the scriptures with the Holy Spirit. And I go, Lord, speak to me about my life. Talk to me about what you want me to know. And then something drops into my heart and I'm, I'm like, it starts to fire up inside of me, and I can't leave that. So, so every night that week, I start reading through that text over and over again. And then maybe another text might come to me that's similar. So I'll read that, and I'll read around it. And then I start to stir up in what that truth is. And I'm like, people need to hear this truth. Why? Because I need to hear it. And sometimes you speak a truth that you're excited about. Everyone goes, we're not there. We're not on that journey. I very, very rarely find that. Based on the fact that being more prophetic in nature, I tend to hear things that I think God wants everyone else to hear. For the season, you know, everyone needs to hear this anyway. But for the season, it, I think it means something to us. So, which um, two Corinthians four, verse thirteen? That's why I get excited because because I can also see the response that that you are bringing. I can see on your faces that what I'm saying to you, which is not Brad's words, but the truth of the text, is actually stirring in you. And the more excited you get, I start getting excited when I see people start getting set free. Like the freedom starts coming, generating in them. It might, it might just be the start of something new for you. Some of you are going, oh, popcorn's popping. Popcorn. You know microwave popcorn? Microwave popcorn is similar to faith. You put it in there and you've got to put it on for three and a half minutes. Bang, three and a half. Four, it's burnt. Two, half a bag. But three, three and a half, you're in. 
And you pop it in there, and it goes on, and nothing happens for the first 30 seconds. Nothing, first minute, nothing, one and a half, nothing after two. Going Even at three, you're still going, this, this popcorn's it's a dud. And then you hear one pop, bang, and that's like faith. That's what God gives you. One pop of the popcorn is like faith. You, you go, it's working. And then suddenly it just starts to, and in the last 20 seconds of the three and a half minutes, the whole bag just pops. That's what it's like with God. Sometimes you just, you, it's, it's, it's called fighting the faith, the good fight of faith. You, you just never give up. You never give up. You never give up. You never give up. And then you go, maybe we should give up. And you go, well, let's just keep going. It's not three and a half minutes yet left. And then suddenly, bang, bang, bang. And then suddenly the whole bag of popcorn is ready. Let me actually read the text because it's so good. Since we have, now this is Paul writing, very similar to what Jesus wrote. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believe, I did read this, Ben, I read half of it. I believe, and so I spoke. He's speaking about um, David. He says, we also, we also believe. And so we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. We believe, and therefore we keep quiet. That's most of the church. But it should be we believe, and therefore we speak. One more element that we need to understand of faith. Number one, have faith in God. Number two, what he says you need to say, because he's tied himself irrevocably to human cooperation in, in, in his execution of divine purposes. So you have to act on it, whether it's speaking, whether it's doing. You know, you want to you want to help the people in Africa, go to Africa. That's I'm telling you, go to there. Just go. Oh, I don't have money. Then your first action of faith is to start saving. Just trust God a little bit. One little pop, and then suddenly God will provide. We've seen so many provisions of finances to get people from one nation to another. It's unbelievable because God has a way of doing it. But number th- no, what is this, uh, number four, joy. We heard about it this morning. You stole the words right out of my sermon notes. I'm sure you had a little peek there while I had my eyes closed and my hands raised. You're going to talk on joy. Rejoice. If you trust God in his nature, then your first response is to start to step into the atmosphere of heaven, and the atmosphere of heaven is joy. Rejoice. Learn to rejoice. When you're on your back and the devil's got you down there, you learn to rejoice. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. We honor you. We start thanking you for what you've already done, and then we start stepping into it. That there confuses the enemy, and guess what he does? He starts to retreat. He starts to walk away because he hates the sound of praises towards God when human beings, or at, at any time, but especially when human beings are in the place of suffering. That's why we called, and Paul writes to the Philippians church, and, and he speaks about joy and rejoicing, and he was writing that when he was in prison. Paul stands before, um, uh, I think it was King Agrippa, and, he, I think, and, and he's got these chains around him, and, he, and he, he says, I am a happy man, for today I get to testify to you about the ways of God. Now, Paul was in chains. Now, you think about this for a second. Paul is in chains but he's a happy man because he stands before the king. Do you know why he's a happy man? Because almost 30 years before that, Paul was walking on, on, on his donkey 
or, or so he was riding on his donkey or walking on the road, and this bright light came down and struck him blind. And in that vision, God said to him, you will stand and testify about me before kings. And 30 years later, now he's standing before a king, and he's, he goes, God, God said this 30 years ago. I'm going to stand before you. And I'm going to tell you about the goodness of God. But you're in chains. That's why he thought you were mad. All your learning has driven you mad. Nothing could stop him. Shipwrecks couldn't stop him. Being beaten with, with rods three times, he got the, the 40 lashes minus one. He, people are trying to kill him. He's, he's been shipwrecked. He's been bitten by a snake after that shipwreck. You know, people have vowed not to eat any food until they kill him. They must have starved to death because they didn't kill him. But, but I always think, I think, what happened to those guys? Did they actually decide to go, stuff the vow, we're just going to eat? Or were they that committed, were they that committed to their vows that all of them are, are dead because they just died of starvation? I don't know. But regardless, this guy has got people that want to kill him to such a degree that they decide they're not going to eat till they do it. I mean, that's commitment. But anyway, Paul has had this whole situation take place and he's in, in chains and he stands there. Now, I think that when Paul had the word from God, I think he was probably thinking more along the lines of Daniel. You know, I'll be, you know I'm an educated man. I was schooled under Gamaliel. You know, he's going to stand there. When that first happened to him, I'll be there. The king's, you know, not even the cupbearer. I'll be like, you know, Joseph and, and, and Daniel with the king as an advisor of him. I don't think Paul realized, but I think later on he started going, I don't think this is going to happen the way I think it is. But regardless, there was an epiphany moment, a revelation moment when he stood with the chains and he looked at him and he goes, this is that. This is what God said he was going to do. And because of that, I rejoice. I'm a happy man because now God has fulfilled what he promised he would do. 30 years later, Abraham did not waver in his belief that God said would happen. He said he did not waver. And can I tell you something? He didn't see, according to Hebrews, he didn't even see what was fully being spoken about on this earth. But they did not waver in their faith, and they did not step into what it was that God had promised on this side of eternity, which to me thinks that on the other side of eternity, things must still carry on. When, when Abraham was collected unto God, he would have gone, ha, huh, now I see. We face the same issues. Myself and Pharaoh sat there, and I'm sorry I have to talk about it, but it is, it is a reality. So um, it's part of the testimony of this thing of faith. I remember sitting there and, 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 and going, and we went through all the promises. And I went, wow, there's quite a few that haven't been fulfilled yet. Now, when I'm left on this side of eternity, for me, that's where the sorrow kicked in and the confusion and the, the distrust in God. But I had to get to the point where God said, son, when she came to eternity, do you think any of that mattered? And the reality of the promises here are realized there. And I went, wow, I didn't think of it like that. What I saw is the moment she was collected to you, it ended there. And he went, <laughs> my word never comes back empty. Never comes back empty. She sees the reality of it. You don't. So just offer it up to me, and in that day, I'll reveal it to you. Amen? I want to call it quits there. I think that's enough information and hopefully enough revelation. But I think it's, it's fitting that if we're going to speak about faith, that immediately we, we actually can act on it. It's something we can practice right now. And so I know we, you know, Ben made us put up our hands for people who are struggling through situations. I think that we need to actually activate on that right now. People that need 
Not, not the offering God an, uh, an offering prayer, but people need somebody to, to, to speak over their situation and their life, whatever it may be for you. It doesn't matter. The, the, the issue is not the mountain. We don't have to know what the mountain is. Oh, the mountain is this. It doesn't matter. I have a mountain, and I need this mountain to go. If the person speaking for you or, or speaking over you prophetically picks it up, let them know you got that right. If you feel uncomfortable to say what it is, that's fine. God knows what it is. All we need to know, there's a mountain, and that mountain doesn't need to be here anymore. Okay? Don't elevate your problem anymore. Tell the mountain to go. If that's you and you want prayer, first step of faith is that you're going to actually stand up and say, that's me, and walk forward. Next step of faith is we're going to get as many people in this church to walk up, lay hands on you, lay hands on someone who's laying hands on them, and begin to declare over them that that mountain goes. Just start speaking to it. Say, in the name of Jesus, we command this mountain to leave. If you feel confident to say what it is, say, listen, this is what I'm facing, and let them speak to that thing by name. Name it and claim it gone. That's the only name and claim we can have, okay? Name it and claim that that thing is out, whatever it may be. Situation with your son. We're going to just declare, you know, that he comes out of that prison cell. He's a new man already, but he's coming in. He's come out of the prison of life. He's now going to come out of some dodgy little cell because he doesn't need to be there. He needs to preach the word of God in the streets. So we're going, to, we're going to just speak to your situation and get that thing out of you. And we're going to keep on speaking. And I'm going to encourage you that every morning when you wake up, you speak to that thing. And every night when you put your head on your bed, I want you to, your head on your pillow, I want you to say to that thing, listen to me, cancer. Listen to me, uh, depression, whatever it may be. Listen to me, financial burden. In the name of Jesus, I'm telling you, by the authority, remember, in the name of Jesus, isn't the catch at the end of the prayer? In the name of Jesus. It means this, by the authority of the Messiah King, whose name is Jesus, I'm saying to you, you come into order with His kingdom, and His kingdom says, you're not allowed to be here anymore. Get out. Amen? I know it sounds arrogant, and, and I'm harping it up a bit, but that's the only way that we're going to see things shift and move, not by, please, God, heal me, please, God, help me. No, no, it's not that. It's these things go. Amen? So if that's you and you want prayer, why don't you come forward? I'm also going to stand up here and pray for people, not through the microphone. We'll end the service now. If you don't want to pray for anyone or be prayed for, there's tea and coffee at the back there. Please stay for some fellowship. But I would like to encourage everyone to exercise faith this morning.